So, Berto, we saw The Accountant yesterday. Yes, it was very entertaining. And it has autism and other psychological things in it, so I thought we would do a podcast about it. What do you say? I think it's a great idea. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I am a professor and a therapist. My name is Humberto Castaneda. I am an accountant. So, long story short, before we get to the end when we talk about autism, I will say that they got a lot of it right, but there are some criticisms worth considering given uh, the things that they depicted. But uh, we'll get into more of that later. Mm -hmm. So, directed by Gavin O'Connor, do you know what else he directed? No. He directed Pride and Glory in 2008. Not a popular movie, but I gave it a 10 out of 10. It's one of my favorite movies what? of all time. 10 for you out of 10? Yeah. Pride and... I've never even heard of this. Movie. Pride and Glory, uh, Edward Norton, uh, I think Colin Farrell is in it. It's basically kind of an epic American crime slash police okay. movie. Well. I'm going to have to watch it. Yeah, I it's it's one of my favorite directed, you know. And then he also directed David O'Connor, Gavin O'Connor also directed Warrior, which was about those those uh wrestlers. Also uh, I, I also haven't seen that. I didn't like that as much as people loved it, but it got good. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Was that with Christian Bale? No, you're thinking of oh, The no, Fighter. You're thinking yeah, of The, the Fighter. fighter. Um, Jane got a gun. With um, Pat, Smith. Padme in there. Did you see that? Jane got no, a gun? I have not. The in, Do you remember seeing the trailers for this movie? No. It made it look really stupid. It made it look like, oh, this woman, uh, you know, Padme. What's her name? I always forget her name. Um, her. She, Natalie Portman. She's, she's got a gun and she's going to kick ass and it looks like just cheesy, you know? It looks like snakes on a plane yeah. kind of stuff. But actually, uh, it's it's... I hate it when trailers are just so off the mark, you know, and they just don't. It, basically, I think what happens is they make a movie, mm -hmm. and then they, and then the producers or the you know the the bureaucracy looks at it and they yeah. go, no one will ever come see this, so we have to package it, trick everyone into thinking it's something else, That's and right. then people will come. But I think that's like false advertising. Plus, when your trailer actually makes it less interesting, yeah. And actually, Jane got a gun. It's actually not. It's actually. I think. I think it's underrated. Is that like a Western thing? Yeah. Oh, I, that sounds familiar, but I definitely didn't see it. Yeah, it's really. I, I like it's totally real, missed these movies. It's in the sort of unforgiven okay. category of of grim westerns, written by Bill Dubuque, who I have never seen any of his other work. Produced by Lynette Howell Taylor, who produced The Place Beyond the Pines, which is another one of my favorite movies. You haven't seen that either. I have not. Uh, Blue Valentine. Have you seen that movie? I've stayed away from all your favorites. And Half Nelson. The, the, the thing about th these three movies, which all are you know some of my favorite movies, all have... Um, God, I'm so bad with names. <laughs> uh, guy or girl? The guy with abs. <laughs> guy with abs? That could be anybody. The driver. Oh, I see. Okay. Yes. What's his name? The Notebook. Yeah. So, <laughs> The Place Beyond the Pines also has Bradley Cooper, who I always forget his name. Blue Valentine, Half Nelson. Uh, so, the producer also produced those movies. Stars Anna Kendrick, who was in Twilight, Up in the Air. Oh, that, yeah. I like her. Uh, Up in the Air was the first movie I remember her from. Scott yeah. Pilgrim vs. the World. 
Fifty Fifty, which is a wonderful movie that's about a person in Seattle, and I believe the opening scene is a is a scene from Stanley Park in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Really? Canada. Yeah, but it's Seattle. <laughs> yeah, it's like they open up with like the Space Needle, and then there's this like sprawling wide shot of. <laughs> of them in Stanley Park and then they show the Lionsgate Bridge you know that goes to I think it goes to North Van yeah. or something it's a very it's a very dis, dis, uh, what do you call it a very obvious bridge like yeah. when you see the bridge it look, it's like showing the Golden Gate Bridge and like right. claiming you're in New York or something oh my god like there, there could have been a way they could have shot Stanley Park in such a way that you couldn't really tell like it would have looked like I don't know, Seward Park. It's like or uh, Stadium High School in 10 Things I Hate About You. Yeah. But it's set in Seattle. <laughs> right. Exactly. But at least that's near Seattle. That is near Seattle. Yeah. Uh, so 50 50 Paranorman, which I, I liked. End of Watch, which is one of my favorite movies. Have you seen End of Watch? Yeah, uh, with Jake Gyllenhaal? Yeah. Yeah. So good. That's great. Pitch Perfect, which I haven't seen. And Mike. Oh, and, Pitch Perfect's fun. Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates. Have you seen this movie? No. It's, uh, you know, Adam from the guy from Workaholics, Adam like Levine, I think his name is, and uh, Zac Efron, oh, okay. and what's her face? Was this one of her first movies? No, this is a movie that just came out this year. Whoa. Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates. Uh, it, it looks like a super sort of frat boy douche yeah. movie, but I actually really liked it. It's, it's okay. actually, I mean, it's, it is kind of a frat boy douche movie, but stars Ben Affleck, who was in Days and Confused. Glory Days, Chasing Amy, Goodwill Hunting, Shakespeare in Love, Armageddon, his first, you know, real stinker. I've heard of him. Dogma, which is a good movie. Pearl Harbor, another massive stinker. Changing Lanes, which I liked. Daredevil, which I never saw. The Terrible. T- the Town, which is good. Argo, which I thought was way overrated. I thought it was good though. I thought it was a. F- I thought it was a six out of ten. Mm, it was, you know, know, watchable, watchable, a good movie, but yeah. not. Not winner it wasn't of the a 10. I mean, that's the thing. Like when we okay, just think back. Does Argo deserve Oscar for the best picture? Do you think it 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 is that good? Because that's what it won. It's for one year. There's been a lot of movies that don't deserve an Oscar, right? And I think a lot of it has to do with just weird temporary hype around Could Oscars. Be. Gone Girl, uh, Batman v Superman, which we did a whole episode on, and then The Accountant. Guess what Rotten Tomatoes gave it? On, 46%. On Ooh, close 49. Criti- critics hate Ben Affleck, as far as I can tell. Because would you give it a 49%? What, oh, no. What percentage would you give it? 75. Yeah. I, I gave it a 6 out of 10. I, w- I would have given it a, a 60%. 49%. It's just, you know, and, and a lot of people just really hacking on the movie. And I don't know. I, I feel Why? like. Why? I don't know. I, can't, I don't understand what it. Are their, have you read their complaints? Yeah, and I can kind of see it, but it doesn't. It seems like it's really spun in a particular direction. I mean, and a lot of people actually really like this movie. That's one of the things when you see a big difference between audience ratings, which is much higher than critics. Yeah. You have to wonder if the if the critics are seeing something that they're just biased, essentially. What's it, the audience rating for this one? I don't know. It's much higher, but you know. It, it it's a it's actually kind of an interesting it's an action it's basically an action movie has a bit of a you know a thriller kind of slight mystery to it but it's just a straight up straight up thing oh i got to start my timer here let me so that that beeping noise always reminds me when we have to pause for a break that's right so um 
Yeah, I thought it was actually well shot. I thought the story unfolded pretty well. It was you know non chronological storytelling, and it wasn't super obvious. There were some very obvious things about it that I'll get into in a second, but but uh, I think it's definitely worth seeing. Eighty six percent audience rating, right? Eighty six percent. And reading like regular people reviews on Reddit and stuff, like it's universally at least liked. Like no one hates it, but the critics hate it. Their critics are giving it like you know one, you know, less than one star and stuff like this. It's um, terrible. <laughs> yeah, and actually, the again the 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 trailers don't really show what kind of movie this is. They make it look like this super dark, depressing mm-hmm. kind of movie, but it actually has a lot of humor in it. It does, yeah, and a lot of humanness in it. You know, it's got a lot of like it has a mini love story involved. That's you know? right. Okay, so we're gonna move forward. Massive spoilers, as always. We don't want to be shackled to. Uh, not having to talk about certain things. So, uh, and, and by the way, I'll say one thing: if this movie had been based on a graphic novel, it, I, I feel like people would have got it a little easier because it it plays out kind of like a comic. Yeah, you know, it's it's a little over the top. But if you were reading this in, in the pages of a comic book, you'd be like, "Yeah, of course that happened." Right. Yeah. Or if it was made by people that they didn't recognize like if it wasn't yeah. Ben Affleck if it was some unknown certainly yeah. or some actor who hasn't been so popular that's right I- I'm assuming that the critics would have liked it that's just me I'm just biased you know but anyway so the plot um, and I think it's important to go through it because the plot in the movie actually bounces forward backwards in time and that's so right. I actually wanted to write this out just so I could figure out like the mm-hmm. the chronology Spoiler alert. Yeah. So, family of four, two boys, mom and dad. Then mother left. Do, do, did we get an explanation as to why mom left? She couldn't handle the autism. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And Ben, or I'm just going to call him Ben Affleck because I don't want to call people by their, by their <laughs> action. So, Ben Affleck, as a child. The accountant. Just call him the accountant. <laughs> had, a, had a meltdown and felt abandoned uh, naturally when his mom left. And so, Ben. Uh, Ben Affleck and brother were raised by father. And the father saw how little Ben was being bullied. And so the father trained him because the father was some sort of military expert of some kind. And they traveled around the world learning different martial arts. And, and different skills and yeah. everything. And the, the father forced him and his brother to fight bullies as a child. Uh, ben is taken to a home for autistic children for a time. Is that yep. the deal? Yeah. And Ben meets this girl genius who we'll talk about later. The mother dies. This is when Ben grows up and he's out, he's in the military. It looks like he joined the military. Yeah, I couldn't tell if he actually joined the military or if he was just borrowing a thing, but I think they said that he had joined the military. And yeah, see, that's the thing about this. this it's like it wasn't really obvious. You know, they didn't really... It felt like one of those movies, like a Nolan movie, where mm-hmm. you're you're seeing like these snippets of time, and you have to fill in a lot of the gaps yourself. Yeah. You know, it wasn't really obvious right. plot un- unraveling. You know, it's it, and there were certain, and there were it went by so fast. Some things actually went by you and I that we didn't catch, like the, right. like the mother 
abandon him be, because of autism. Like that went by so fast, I missed it apparently, and you missed other details. Yeah, you know, what, one of the things is that it, the a lot of the plot of the movie is the um, unraveling of who is the accountant. You know, because the the um, the, the, the guy f- in the Federal treasury agent. is trying to. Well, we think he's trying to figure out who is the accountant. Oh, no, well, actually, he is. he is. He's trying to figure out who's the accountant. Yeah. So because the the core theme of the movie is figuring out that mystery, I think that's part of the, part, partly why they present those scenes like that because they want us to be let in little by little into what is that mystery. Yeah, that was a good uh, conceit to have that unfold as the other federal agent, the, the woman, was trying to figure out who he was. It started yeah. to unfold for us, too. So the mother dies, and uh, the parents are divorced, and they haven't seen the mother in a long time, the the father and Ben. But they go to the funeral. For some reason, the brother doesn't go, and they kind of talk about that later. The brother hates his mom for having left, and he's extremely upset that he went to the funeral, and he's very upset that he went, that he uh, uh, approached his father about going to the funeral instead of coming to talk to the brother. Yeah. See, this is maybe the problem with like drinking a couple of beers before <laughs> what? Because we went to one of those like bar slash movie theaters where it's like a restaurant bar yeah. movie theater, and 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 also I'm taking a lot of notes as we're what, and I apparently all these sorts of things went <laughs> went flying past me. But anyway, so the brother doesn't go, but Ben and father go to the funeral. They get into a fight because the the new the new husband. And uh, he didn't want the ex-husband and uh, and Ben to come, and so they were trying to sure. get him to leave. There, there was a fight. Someone pulled out a gun on Ben, and then the father jumped out in front of the gun, and then the gun yeah, went it's, off. It seemed like so they were trying to move the father away from the casket, and the father starts like, "Let get your hands off of me!" Yeah, and then Ben gets triggered because some guys are trying to grab him too, yeah. and he just starts kicking everyone's ass. Right. So at that point, either cops are called or cops are there for maybe their friends or whatever. Somehow, cops are on the scene, yeah. and one cop's like, "Oh, freeze!" and he goes to shoot Ben, and then the dad gets in front and takes the bullet. They don't show us any of this, no, but it's all implied, right? Yeah, and so. The father dies. Ben goes to prison. He meets a criminal accountant. They become friends. You mentioned as soon as you saw him in prison, you're like, he's always in prison. <laughs> yeah, because he's the guy from... Uh, from, from uh, oh, my God. From the show. We can't remember the name. God damn it. Uh, from Arrested Development, Arrested Development. the father. Uh, I can't remember his name. They become friends. He, so, he, he, so he goes to prison and he becomes... So at this point, he's just been in the military. He's been a good boy and he's been trained by yeah. his dad. And he becomes... Now he finds a new father figure. Basically. Finds a new father figure now that his father is dead. And, his, and this new father figure is a criminal accountant. And they uh, become v- good friends and he teaches them... He, you know, this new father figure teaches them all of his accounting yeah. ways. And, and I noticed he was also trying to teach him how to detect emotion. Oh, yeah. Emotional content. Because there's right. that scene where he's like... So let's say that I'm saying that I'm having a uh, hard time with the steering wheel. I forget what he's saying. Yeah. And then it's like, what do you think? And then Ben Affleck gives this totally technical answer. Yeah. I think you're having a problem with the blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And he's like, no. And he's like, oh, I see. You're frustrated. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yes, you got it. Right. Yeah. It's like I was able to give you like a, a PhD in like accounting, but I can't teach you these emotions. Right. He says something like that. Right. So at some and I and I missed the details on this, but the government releases the 
the father figure because they don't care about him. That was a little hand wavy because basically he was an informant. Right. And they were protecting him in prison. Right. But I couldn't, I didn't catch why they decided to drop him as an informant and right. release him. Yeah. That seems extremely I'm reckless. sure it was in the details <clears throat> there somehow. But anyway, so the government releases the father figure which was a death sentence because he had been informing on the mob. The mob get a hold of him within hours, I think they said, after his release. Yeah. Uh, the mob torture and, and kill him. Ben learns of this and escapes from the prison. Ben gets revenge by killing the entire mob in this like matrix style. That's right. Uh, like he <laughs> oh in fact in fact he, he's told in prison by one of the guards that his friend is was murdered. Yeah. He hits the guard in the head with his thermos. That's how he dents it. Oh, yeah. And then escapes from a third story, which is how he hurt his leg, basically. Oh, uh, oh, is that is that why he keeps doing that to yes. his leg? That's oh, why okay. he limps, and that's why he keeps doing that. Man, so many things went by, my, by me. <laughs> I mean, I knew the thermos thing. So he walks up to this mob hideout. He he just has a steak knife. I probably maybe from the restaurant yeah. he was walking by. Yeah. He kills two guards with the steak knife. Yep. He grabs one of the guy's guns and then wanders and then rushes into the mob hideout and proceeds to kill like ten other mob guys. Right. And but the mob is under surveillance by the feds, by these federal agents. Uh, the agent played by J.K. Simmons. Is is that his name J.K. J.K. Simmons? That sounds right. It's not yeah. rolling. I know. <laughs> uh, maybe they're the same person. You don't know. Um, have you ever seen them in the same room? Oh, my God. An agent uh, runs in to the mob hideout after Ben to stop this from happening. Ben uh, confronts the Fed agent, puts a gun to his head, and the agent is crying. He's like, oh, my God, don't kill me. And then Ben is like, um, you know, are you a good agent? Are you a good person? And the agent's like, yes, I'm a good person. And he's like, okay, well, you're you're now going to be my my man on the inside. But remember, he's like, he, he admits he's actually a terrible or not a good agent. He's like, I'm a mediocre agent. But he asks him, you know, because he's like, but I have kids. He's like, are you a good father? Yeah. And he's like, yes, that's the one thing is I was a good father. Right. So we have his father, father, and then he, his father dies and he has the accountant, the criminal accountant in prison as his father. He dies, and then he has this uh, J.K. Simmons yeah. is his new father. He always needs that father to, f to feel safe in the world. So at this point, we don't know exactly how, but Ben becomes a mastermind accountant who travels the world. Remember, the, the dude in prison gave him all these names to memorize, names and contacts. Right. So he knew who to contact for which enterprise... And right. things like that. Right. So he becomes like a the James Bond of illegal accounting in yeah. terms of how to launder money, essentially. Yeah. Or how to figure out if who's embezzling money and, yeah. and then lead to killing those people. And this is where they pull the Rain Man trick where, like all autist, autistic people, he has superhuman abilities. Right. And we'll get into more of that yeah. later. At this point, he also gets the autistic girl from the home he went to as a kid to become his genius super computer person who right. is like her his his M of of James Bond. You and know? this is the part I missed because I was busy laughing internally about the thing where the in the scene where where um 
the father on the of computer. A, yeah, yeah. This this guy walks in. We'll, we'll get into more okay. of that in a second. But <laughs> but but yeah. So so this this autistic girl who was friends with Ben when he was a kid, it can't talk, but uses this computer voice thing to communicate. So she types into a computer, and then the computer talks for her. And this is, you know, the voice and it's like Ben's boss telling him where to go and whether people are after him. And, you know, it's like her, you know, her, his helper. We see how Ben habituates to loud noises and bright lights, uh, maybe even to hurting his hurt leg. He every night at a certain how many is it an hour he does it for or how oh yeah it was was a long period of time like he would set an alarm every night like at nine he would do it from nine to ten every night and he would turn on a strobe light and he would turn on super loud annoying like death metal type yeah yeah yeah. and he would hurt himself with with a baton on his shin or something And this was him trying to, because he has autism, he's trying to habituate himself to these, to just general loud noises and bright lights. Presume. Oh, I oh, so see. you didn't know that. Well, I thought that it was some sort of like he needs the stimulus or something. No, it's actually uh, somewhat of a form of an extreme specific form of a, a form of therapy. I think it's called applied behavioral. Anyway. Um, just on the onset, actually, I should just say a disclaimer that autism spectrum disorders are not my specialty. I don't treat aut- autism spectrum. I have had autistic clients in the past. One in particular that I did in-home family therapy with, I really got to know him very well. So a lot of my knowledge of autism actually comes from that one client. I've also supervised another pe- a number of people, and I've you know over the past twenty years of being a therapist and being a professor, I've just picked up things here and there. But if you actually talk to an actual expert in autism, you would hear a much more confident, more competent uh, voice yeah. than what I'm saying. So take take everything that I'm saying with a grain of salt. We did do that one episode about it, uh, the art uh, therapy episode. The art therapy? Yeah, with the artist. The, the artist? Yeah. Oh, art therapy. <laughs> Jiminy crickets. Um, so a form of therapy for people with autism is because loud noises and, and uh, heavy st- uh, stimulus, stimuli, loud noises, bright lights, uh, difficult, you know, scratchy surfaces, uh, things that taste like big tastes, you know, mm-hmm. things that aren't bland. All of these are too much for people with autism oh, to okay. handle. And it actually, I mean, imagine if I was to have a strobe light and you were, and I was to make you stare into a strobe light <laughs> for, you know, like 10 a, seconds. Or, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, that's what just walking around in the world is like for a lot oh, of people with autism. Okay. And so one of the therapies to help them deal with that is you habituate to those stimuli and and you expose yourself to those stimuli while relaxing so you can make your brain just used to those things so that when you're out in the world, it doesn't affect you. And so presumably that's why he was doing it. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, they didn't, again, they didn't explain it. And so someone like you watching that would just be like, oh, he's having some kind of like freak out self-abuse situation or something. I, I actually thought it was, um, you know how ADD 
is uh, apparently under stimulation in yeah. some parts of the brain. Yeah. I thought it was more like that, like oh. he needs the stimulation. So I, yeah. didn't, I didn't know this other aspect. Okay. Yeah, it's actually kind of the opposite. The opposite. It's like there's okay. too much stimulation for autistic people. And so therefore... So that was his training. Yeah. That was his workout. All right, well, let's take a break. And when we get back, we'll, we'll talk more about the plot and we'll get into some of the psychology. What do you say? Okay. All right, we're back, but before we go on, I just want to mention that we have a sponsor, as we've been talking about, Loot Crate. If you're familiar with Loot Crate, uh, what do you know about Loot Crate, Berto? Loot Crate delivers uh, amazing, surprising uh, goodies to you on a monthly basis. Basically, if you've ever played video games and you come across, and you're in a dungeon or you come across an area and you see that shiny little box or crate in the corner, you know you can go and loot it, and you open it, and you get your magical helmet of uh, perdition. Yeah, that's this thing in real life. Like, but you it get has real world goodies. Lots of different kinds of stuff. I, I've heard it's a great gift for teens or for kids. For teens, what about for people like me? Well, or for adult teens as well. For bear for adult kids <laughs> who you know like Star Wars and comic books and hero movies and just that's pop right. culture stuff, right? Yeah. So, so once a month, so if, you know, for the holidays, you can give this a, as a gift and every month this will come in the, in the mail. But the key is in order for you to support the podcast, you have to use the promo code psychology. That's promo code psychology. I won't spell it because if you're using the internet, my guess is you know how to spell psychology. So if I get you loot crate for Christmas, will you be like, Oh, you cheap bastard. You used that promo code, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the movie basically starts with this timeline in which we have the federal agent wanting to know who the accountant is. Because at this point, the, the, he's never seen his face, uh, the federal agent who's helping the accountant. That's right. How was the federal agent helping the accountant exactly? Oh, no, he would just <clears throat> he would get the tips from him yeah. and then just go and carry out the raids. Oh. Coordinate the raids. So it, it which, looked, which presumably is helping the Ben character because Ben wanted that to happen? You no, know, he's got his moral code, right? So basically, the, um, my, the impression I got was like, he's going to make all this illicit money so he can help the, uh, the guy, the researcher doing the autism stuff. Yeah. But... He definitely doesn't agree with these bad guys. So he's going to be essentially turning them in systematically or turning in, you know, shipments and, and things by being an informant. So he's basically an informant, but he's a behind the scenes informant. Interesting. Another thing that went over my head. So wouldn't the illegal people eventually figure out, boy, every time this like yes. awesome accountant comes, we all get raided. Shouldn't with, we avoid that one account? Maybe that one account is an informant. No, absolutely. With any normal person, that's what would have happened. But this guy thinks in, in six, 16 dimensional chess moves. Yeah. So it's, you know. Yeah. Okay. So the federal agent who's been uh, fed all this awesome leads to all these big, you know, legal uh, breaks. He, this agent is like, I got to figure out who this guy is. And you don't really know why. At the beginning of the movie, you think he's, he's wanting to catch the accountant. Yeah. In fact, you get the sense that J.K. Rowling, <laughs> on, on top of writing books for kids, yeah. is like like a top tier badass yeah. treasury agent right everything's by the book and nothing gets past him and so when uh what's her name comes into the office for the first time yeah uh the the gal the black 
she's like the she's the other agent, the other agent, and the she's junior agent. She's really smart and clever, and she's coming up. Yeah. And but when you come in, she comes into his office. You get the sense of like, oh, he's like he's so good that he can see right through her. Yeah. Uh, and he's got he's got dirt on her. Right. He says, oh, you know, I know you're lying to me. And he's got, like, arrest records for her. So he basically blackmails her into helping him right. figure out who this accountant is. Right. Which, again, doesn't make a lot of sense because why, why, why does the agent need to know who the accountant is exactly? That but, part was more like the selfish, like, who's this guy? He just like, wants I to just know. Want to know. Oh, okay. But the reason for getting her and blackmailing her is because... He wants to pass the baton. Yeah, because he's doing... He what he's doing is is probably not right, right? Um, like, no, it's it's okay to have an informant tell you. I, I'm, I'm I trying think, to remember there was something not right about it though. Like I the, think the uh, thing that's not right about it is that he would lie about where the information came from because he didn't want the accountant to be caught. Is that it? And it's probably also a matter of he needed to probably get her so invested in staying. In actually helping the accountant because right. he cared about it. Because if he just brought her in, it's like, hey, listen, I've got dirt on you. I'm going to retire. You're going to take up this thing that you know nothing about. Right. And I'm going to trust that for the next 10 years, 20 years, you're going to do it. Right. That's not going to work. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> so he probably is like, okay, I'm going to have to take her on this journey. So she realizes. Yeah. The- I liked how one of the pieces of evidence that the older agent was using against the the junior agent was that she had a tattoo of a gun. On her hip. I know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure as a federal agent, it's okay if you have a tattoo that, that you can't see, yeah. right? And it's not like the tattoo said, down with America. Or, no, I'm, it looked like a sexy tattoo. It was a sexy 45. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, da, 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 new agent. Da. Yeah. So, eventually, this new junior agent finds out who the account is because she's a That's smart right. cookie. And then the older agent says, we're not going to go get this guy. You're now going to become the new agent who is going to be fed all this information. You're going right. to, you're going to, and your career is going to take off because blah, blah, blah. She's like, bullshit. He's a bad guy. Yeah. And then, uh, what, what does he say to convince her? I'm trying to remember. Cause it's a good scene. He's just like, no, he's bad. Like we gotta. And then he says, I struggled with that too. Yeah. But. The thing that did it for me was, and I'm trying to remember, what was the... Was it the funeral scene? I don't remember. Anyway, so uh, there were themes of Lewis Carroll. Did you pe- catch on the Lewis Carroll themes? Mm, I guess not. What What about him? Like, you mean about Alice in Wonderland or his life? Because I don't know much about his life. Well, I Other didn't realize... I, apparently, he's an autistic as well, or on the Asperger's. But, oh, he was? That's what they said on the... Oh, when they looked at when she was looking at the wiki page or whatever. Oh, really? It said, you know, autistic. well, the thing that I well, the he, Lewis, the Lewis Carroll thing came up because he was on a list of mathematicians that yeah. uh, the accountant Ben Affleck was using, and I didn't realize Lewis Carroll was a, was a mathematician. That I, only, I did know, yeah. Oh, you did know yeah. that? Okay, because uh, you're super into math. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and there's only, a there's a great book. Uh, called uh, Godel Escher Bach, The Eternal Braid. And in there, they talk a lot about, the authors talk a lot about the uh, Lewis Carroll. Interesting. <laughs> so he wrote the Alice in Wonderland books and Jabberwocky, uh, but his trailer, do you remember his trailer? It was called Jabberwocky. Oh, yes. I didn't catch that. Anyway. That's a good, that's a good. So how did you catch that? 
I just saw Jabberwocky, and I thought that's interesting that they that his his slipstream thing is called Jabberwocky. Why is that? And then Lewis Carroll pops up later. And I wonder I if like, you're oh. more of a of a visual detail oriented. Like, do you catch a lot of visual details generally? Uh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> uh, so then Ben gets hired to figure out where. So this is the main plot. We finally got to the main <laughs> sort of through line. But Ben gets hired to figure out where the money has gone by this by John Lithgow, because he has this business making prosthetics, these like high tech prosthetics. And you know the backstory, right? He was on a flight, and it was like this really stormy night. And he and he looks out the window and he sees this creature on the wing of the plane, which yeah. gave him the idea yeah. for prosthetics. Yeah, that's the second Twilight, or that's the first Twilight Zone movie. <laughs> but the second time that happened, the first time was with William <laughs> Shatner, Shatner in the fifties. Uh, for you Twilight Zone nerds out there, you're you're knowing what we're talking about. The rest of you have no idea. Um, so Ben gets hired to figure out where the money has gone. Ben figures it out. This is when he meets the Anna Kendrick character, and they start having a little flirtation. Uh, oh, she she flirts. Yeah, he's like like yeah. Roboto, awkward, awkward, awkward yeah. Roboto. <laughs> Lithgow, uh, do you think Lithgow knew the accountant was going to figure out where the money went? That he, was also hand wavy because it, if we're supposed to understand what happened, they even like kind of flubbed it when he was like, "But why did you hire him?" Remember that because um, because you know at first we were led to believe that the sister was it his sister. His sister? Oh, I don't. The, the, I don't the, know. The, the, the woman. Lady, the, the woman. Yeah. We, we were meant to believe. Okay, the the blonde woman's really trying to hire someone to figure this out. Yeah. Then, so then we're led to believe that the bad guy was the the CFO. Yeah. Then we realize, oh wait, no, no, the bad guy is probably the woman. But then she gets killed. So we're like, okay, well, it's got to be John Lithgow. But it turns out he's the one who wanted the accountant in the first place. Right. So it's like. Wait, what? Yeah, why wouldn't you have hired, hired a like bad a shitty accountant. accountant, right? Why would you hire the best accountant on the planet? And then I think the subtle uh, explanation is: Listen, I'm trying to take the company public, so it, le- it needs to look really good. Oh, right. But it could have looked really good without the top tier accountant in the world. Well, I, I think what he thought was. Uh, can this be figured out? And I don't think someone can figure it out. Yeah, I, I guess I'd have to review the I plot because it doesn't make a lot of sense. Because basically, yeah. And I actually really appreciated this this plot because the evil person, John Lithgow, his motivation was basically the Watchmen yeah. motivation, which was, I want to take this this company. I, I'm, I'm a small little boutique shop of making high-end prosthetics to save people's lives, people yep. who lost their arm and their legs. And now they're, you know, these like super high tech arms and legs are going to be available to people. But in order for me to, to meet the demand around the world, I need to uh, have, I need to grow the company. The only way to do that is if I make the company public. And the only way I do that is if I make the company look profitable, look yeah. extremely profitable Yeah to investors and the only way I'm going to do that is if I take money out and funnel it back into the business right. is that he was basically embezzling money and then putting it back into the business like double dipping his funds yep. to, to make it look like they're more profitable so all of this is totally altruistic he's trying to help people he's, and there's that really powerful scene where he's like look why are you even doing this like I'm trying to help who would have you ever helped yeah. You're a killer. I help. I could help millions, right? Yeah. The part that really was a disconnect, but you know, you got to have a movie, so fine. It was that 
someone with such altruistic motives and then proceeds to embezzle money doesn't necessarily mean he's going to start killing his lifelong partner and his sister and right. hiring this huge gangster team of badass killers. Well, you yeah. <laughs> so, well, here, here's... And plus, what was that scene that first time we see the guy from The Walking Dead in the car? What, what was that all about? That was just to introduce him. That was like a different job he was on. I think so. I didn't think that was related. Yeah, different job. Anyway, that was, so that was confusing to me. And by the way, I, I got the sense that he was the brother... The second scene they showed him. Really? Yes. The reason... Here's why. They made it a point. Every scene they showed young Batman, they always showed the brother as much or more, and yet we had never met the brother. Right. And there were not that many characters left in the movie. They weren't introducing any more characters. That's true. So I was like... And oh, oh, and by the way, they showed us that they were training him just as much. Right. So I'm like, okay, who's the other badass about the same age? Yeah. You know, interesting. <laughs> I, that, that did not. That was completely out of the blue for me. So, so yeah. So then, uh, so that's the John Lithgow's, and then he's like, okay, well, I'm about to go public, but I have this kind of like complicated fraud situation, you know, that might be able to be detected. So I need to hire a, an accountant to see if they can find this. The best accountant who's been top recommended by the best. <laughs> and if they find it, then I know that I have to figure out a way to mask that somehow or, or something, right, before I go public. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, okay, hold on. I see. I think you just explained something that I didn't get. So maybe that was the point. Maybe he wanted to test it. Right. With the best. Okay, I didn't catch that. Okay, oh. I, that makes sense. Yeah. But but he was hoping the accountant would just kind of like scurry on. Well, either he would... get Yeah, if, if the best accountant didn't find, find anything, then it's like, okay, you know your system is... Your books are okay. And but if, if he, he does, does find something, then you have to like figure out a way of, of fixing that. But I don't understand the link between the accountant figures it out and then he hires uh, Ben Affleck's brother, the thug, to kill the cfo the cf or you know to yeah, and, and, actually that is a flaw because i just, why would he do that like just why, now where you said that i was like oh okay wait oh no no wait i think i i think it just came to me no <laughs> okay. so he forces the cfo to kill himself yeah and then the account now is like oh um the clearly the embezzler was the cfo and he just killed himself so crime solved let's move forward but that that wouldn't work though because the whole idea was to make the company look profitable and right. so now it's like, oh, there was an embezzler. Well, then the company is now not going to go public. Or maybe they would have just said, well, look, we were profitable even in spite of the CFO embezzling all this money because we didn't put the money back in. It was only taken out. Or, okay, and, and or actually, since the only person that knew about the embezzlement was the accountant, yeah. they probably wouldn't have even said anything publicly. Right. They, okay, I think this sort of makes sense, but this one was definitely hard to unpack. Right. So to summarize... He hires the best in the world to see if he can find it. And his yeah. plan is, if he can find it, if he can't find it, great. If he can find it, I'll kill the CFO, which, by the way, though, is his lifelong partner, but fine. Yeah. I'll kill the CFO. But again, the, and then Lith- frame Lith- Lithgow is thinking he's going to save the world. Fine. Fine. But and if still, his friend has to die, then... Okay, so that, he'll kill the CFO and then, and then explain it to the accountant. He'll go away. Shoo, shoo. Yeah. And they'll make some public statement about... They won't admit to the... to the What's it called? Yeah. And they'll think that the, the accountant's got paid handsomely. He'll okay. disappear. So then from this point, how do we get to the next phase of the story where the thugs are now trying to kill everybody? You know, they're trying to right. kill Anna Kendrick. Well, I, they're cr- yeah. trying to kill Ben. They're, t- <laughs> they're trying to kill... Uh, <laughs> 
well, okay, that's a fair question. And I think in the end, this is where it really does break down a little bit because so it's not just the CFO when the accountant decides not to not to stop. That's when John was like, ah, he would not let it go. Oh, is that why? So he's like, okay, you got to kill the accountant. You got to kill Anna Kendrick. Right. And then you, oh, and and then what happened, remember, he realizes his sister has now figured it out. So he's like, oh, you got to kill my sister. Yeah. That's that's why I was saying that, wait, if his original motive was embezzlement because he wants money. That wasn't his original. No, I know what I'm saying is if that were his original, then I could kind of make the leap to like, okay, he's just a bad guy and then he's going to start killing people. Right. But if his original motive is like, I got to save all these lives, it's hard for me to swallow that he's going to start, oh yeah, fine, kill my sister. Four, kill my friend from all my life. Fine, everyone, everyone dies. Well, that's <laughs> why I liked it because it was not just he's an evil guy sure, looking for sure. greed, which is just a, such a typical bad yeah. guy. He was actually trying to help the world. But yeah, no, get, that's true. Anyway. So then, so then Ben kills the thugs. The thugs try to kill Anna. Ben saves her. Ben goes after the... Then Ben is like, it's personal now. In order to save Anna's life, he has to go after Lithgow and the thugs and kill them all because yeah. he wants Anna to be able to roam free without right. these thugs coming after. By the way, I loved all the action scenes. It was so entertaining. Yeah. It's, it's fun to see Ben Affleck kicking some butt. That's why the Batman scene was one of the best scenes of Superman v. Batman or whatever. Uh, ben goes after the thugs in Lithgow. The, the lead thug just happens to be his brother by coincidence. He kills Lithgow in this kind of funny, uh, robotic way. And then uh, Ben moves on to another city. Uh, the romance between him and Anna is never uh, realized. And he continues his job as some sort of accountant that feeds the federal agent. That's right. Blah, blah, blah. And there's the, there's the big reveal, which I missed. <laughs> That his helper was the the autistic gal from right. when he was a kid, right. and they had that scene where they uh, the way they reveal it is um, they're giving a tour of the autistic facilities to this new couple with their kid, yeah. and as they walk in the room and walk outside, um, she demonstrates the computer talking, and then the guy said, "Wow, your donors must be really wealthy or really generous." Like, why? It's like, well, that computer could hack the Pentagon or something. And he's like, oh, is that a good computer? It's like, that's a CX-55, blah, 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 blah. And then I was like... A water-cooled, water blah, blah, blah. In my mind, I was laughing because... Well, because then the guy goes, oh, that's right. You're a, you're a software You're a guy. software guy. And I was thinking, oh, come on, man. He walked in the room for like two seconds. What machine did he recognize out of the corner of his eyes sitting yeah. there? But anyways, it was just funny. Yeah. Yeah, and, you and I were laughing about that. I mean, it would have made more sense if it was... Oh, oh yeah, that's you right. You're Intel or, or or you're a gaming computer guy because because yeah, those yeah. kind of computers for home use are usually for gamers, right? Not that it, he was he was indicating it was like uh, the equivalent of uh, like for example, right now in, like some Nvidia, sort of supercomputer for for math. Yeah, like like right now, Nvidia has a computer for machine learning that costs about one hundred fifty thousand dollars when they start really selling it. Oh. One hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollars for a computer. Yeah. It's like. A computer for your, you know. Yeah. So sure, there's things like that. But anyways, l- long story short is I missed that reveal because I didn't even hear the voice because I was busy thinking how ridiculous that that was. Well, we're gonna take a break, but when we get back, we'll continue talking about some of the problems with this movie. What do you say? Let's take a break. All right, we're back. But before we move on to the problems of this movie, I just want to uh, give some shout outs to our patrons, some of our newest patrons. Uh, let me let me name their names. What do you say, Berto? 
I'm curious. We have Chris, and we have Katie. We have Michael. We have Sam. We have Jay Dispensa. I just, it's like an email name of some sort. Jamie, Christopher, Nia, Mackenzie. Ooh, a Mackenzie. Wow. A Michael, a Derek. More, multiple Michaels? Wow. A Dicey. Dice, Dice, DC, Dicey. Another Michael. We have a lot of Michaels. Triple. Triple Michael. Trifecta. Karen, uh, someone living in Melbourne. Danielle. Ellen. El, Elin. E L I N. E L I N. Elin. 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 Walter. You don't, you don't hear that name much anymore. Walter. That's it. Beulah. 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 What am I? Yeah, Beulah. <laughs> uh, a song I loved from the 90s was called Beulah or early 2000s. Or no, was that the band called Beulah? <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah. Anyway. See, when you become a patron, one of the things is you get to have your name be like... Uh, like ridiculed. Ridiculed, made fun of, butchered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's go on with some of the other problems. I... I'm, 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 I've been sick of this cliche for, I guess, probably since the 80s, but the perfect killer cliche. I never worried about Ben Affleck's safety. There wasn't once where I was like, oh, shit, how is he going to get out of this? Because they established from the very beginning that he was invincible. Yeah. That he was like some kind of superhero, like... You know, he could do anything. That's he could right. kill anyone as fat. He was. He could dodge bullets. Well, because he was autistic. <laughs> yeah. It, it. Did you ever worry that? Oh, how is he going to get out no. of this? Yeah. But I got. But I. That was one of the things I enjoyed. <laughs> I don't like that. I'm getting really tired of it. Most movies are like this, like the Jack Reacher stupid movies. Oh, I and love like, that. It's like it's really dumb. Like there are good action movies. No, but it's like well, okay, no, you're right. James Bond has has risks in it. That's true. Well, no, James Bond is just as bad. But there there are good action movies where I actually feel afraid of the star, like Sicario, which you haven't seen yet. No, I, what I'm saying, but come on, every movie where there's a star. Mostly, he's going to be alive at the end, and he's going to make it through. But there are there have been good old school James Bond movies where there were moments where you were stressed enough about right. James Bond. Right. But that's a different kind. I would say more like the born the born movies is what kind of are the invincible, right. unstoppable, perfect killing machine. Yeah. Or Taken, you know these kinds of movies. Or Above the Law with Steven Seagal. Yeah, it's yeah, it's Hard basically. Basically, all I never thought about this. All these movies now, like you know this movie and Bourne uh-huh. movies, they're basically just like you know stylized Seagal movies. Yeah, kick-ass porn. Yeah, <laughs> like, but it's like a Bruce. I mean, Bruce Lee started it, man. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but I, you know, the Revenant. I remember really being stressed out yeah. about that character. The Martian, even though it was a comedy, right. and I was pretty sure he was going to make it home. Yeah. Spoiler alert. I was like, there were times when I was seriously on the edge of my seat, like, oh, shit, you know? And in this movie, never. And I remember noticing this. I was like, oh, he's about to enter a house with 15 thugs. He's going to kill all of them, no problem. Like, there's, there's never going to be a problem. He, you know, he might get, you know, injured, kind of, which happened, kind of. But that's, that, that is, okay, so there is a time and place for it, because I, what, for me, what was entertaining was, how was he going to kill them? <laughs> you know, that was fun. Because, like, you know, at one point, he's like, he takes out the snipers, and then he uses it, and, and then he grabs the snipers, and he's like, oh, this is off. You should really adjust this thing, and then shoots them. <laughs> he's never going to have a chance to adjust the sniper rifle, because he just shot him. <laughs> right. 
Another thing that bothered me about this movie and other movies like this is how far people can snipe people, you know, how good they, they're, they are, how accurate their snipe, sniping ability is. You know, like when he was yeah. practicing on the melons and that guy's like, that's, a, that's like a mile away. How, yeah. how is he going to do that? One thing, just a little point on that is he's looking at binoculars and he, he can actually see the shooter and the melons from his front door without even going out on the front porch with his binoculars and they're a mile away and they're a mile away <laughs> like just just as an experiment everyone look out your window right now and look to your right i'm not talking distance like farther away i'm saying yeah. look to the right and look to the left and try to look at a mile try to encapsulate a mile in your field of view like that is not that's just not possible okay that's true that's bad <laughs> that bugged me and then like he's he's shooting three melons from a mile away Three shots, all direct hits. Unless he was like, dude, that's like a mile away, meaning it's like 20 (laughs) feet. (laughs) And, you know, it's just not likely. Again, basically, he's a superhero. But he's autistic. He never misses. It's like... Have you seen Rain Man? if, If you actually shoot guns, you realize that very quickly, the further something gets away... The, it becomes extremely hard to hit, even even with a very good rifle, even with a lot of skills, right. with 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 you know being a sniper. Well, shooting guns would be even harder. At least the melons are round, and there's a lot of volume to them. A gun is like very narrow. Uh, the fighting scenes were too frantic for me. You like the fighting scenes, I did? But I'm getting tired of these. I, I I've seen too many. There was this analysis that I saw on YouTube that looked at this style of of it's sort of like the born supremacy style of fighting yeah. which i really liked when i saw born supremacy the first time but the or born identity or whatever the first one was yeah but born i'm getting really tired of it because there this video broke down and showed jackie chan um which is like the master of action mm-hmm. fighting it, when you watch jackie chan shots it's the camera's far away and Jackie Chan and his stunt people are doing things without any cuts. Yeah. Jackie Chan is flying through the air. He's, he's actually in danger. He's actually on the train and these movies now when they make these fight scenes and I've seen how they produce these, they basically for like half an hour, they set up everything and they shoot like a third of a second where it's like, you know, one guy throws the punch and then another half an hour goes by and they set up another shot where the punch, you know, lands and that's like a third of a second. And then they (laughs) they set up another scene and then the guy falls down for a third of a second and then you edit it all together and it's like, boom, 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 you know, but it's basically like a cartoon that you're like piecing together. None of the action is actually happening. And when I'm watching these scenes, I can see through the production so that it doesn't feel real to me. I just, I'm like, I know that Ben Affleck is with a stunt man. It's very clear that it's not real to me. But you like that stuff. I actually, I thought it looked quite real. And and one thing that I've appreciated about the fight scenes in the last ten years is that they've started to incorporate a lot of uh, mixed martial arts movements because they've had to. Because it used to be fights were fist fights, 
And then in reality, any special ops person in the last 20 years has been way more advanced than fist fights, right? So then these fights nowadays, they grapple, they grab the arm, they put in a lock, they break a thing. They, and it's, it's, it's frankly more realistic. So that I do like. Now, as far as how they're produced, I don't know. It looked fairly real to me. but I'm also getting tired of the crazy geniuses riding on windows, you know? That whole scene. Oh, wait, wait, what happened on that? Oh, yeah, 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 with the markers. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting really tired of that. Like, has that ever happened in real life? Where well, he ran out of whiteboard. What are you going to do? Yeah, it, it's just, it's, it's just, it, this is a movie trope that gets repeated. Whenever you want to show either a genius or an insane person, you just have to have just walls of just scribble and uncompre- <laughs> incomprehensible things with these lines and circles. It, has, it just, you know... It's it's stupid. If if the accountant was really trying to do this, he would be on his computer. He'd be uh, writing notes or something. He doesn't need to draw it out on the entire room. Plus, doesn't the guy understand like he's vandalizing? You know everything. He's writing on glass. Well, but it's with with dry erase markers. It's, That's okay. Uh, have you ever have you ever actually used dry yes. erase? Like it doesn't yeah. wipe off very. I know, easily. I know. But we used to use it on glass because they used to have these. These glass whiteboards, basically, yeah. at work. Anyway, I'm just getting tired of, of that trope. It's, it's, it's cliche. Um, I'm also getting tired of the evil scientist thing. You know, Lithgow, he's this sure. genius scientist, and he's evil. He thinks he's God, you know? Right. It's, that's another stupid thing. But those are the only things I could think. Did you hate anything about the movie? Um, I definitely, the, the Lithgow thing was a little, like what I, what I was saying earlier, which was, I, I didn't think that someone who had this ultimately altruistic motive would want to murder his sister and his best friend. That, that was a little hard. Yeah, they, they should have had some kind of backstory, like some desperation that he was in or something like that. And then, uh, so that was one thing I didn't like. Another thing. Or why have, why was the woman even involved in the story? Like you didn't even need to have the sister involved. That's right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so, so that that's something I didn't like. The other thing, I mean, I know it made for a cool movie, but I definitely know, and I'm sure you can talk about that. That just because you're autistic doesn't mean you are a superhuman superhero. Yeah, let's get into that. So now let's talk about autism spectrum disorders. Which again, I just have to say, I'm not a super expert. Also, I also want to say that autism is a highly politicized topic in our society. It's it's not like I'm talking about something like depression or something, mm-hmm. autism in our society. There's been a lot of pain uh, and a lot of oppression, a lot of families feeling, feeling alone, a lot of people with autism feeling stigmatized, you know, absolutely. There's been a lot of, lots of misinformation. I cannot, this is just anecdotal, but I cannot think of another DSM disorder that has as much misinformation out there on the internet that people are propagating and believing than autism. There, there has been just so much from vaccines to treatments to, uh, you know, counselor assisted communication. It just goes on and on and on. It's, it's, you know, the, the, you know, autistic people and their families have, you know, just been through a lot. And, Frankly, my field has failed people with autism for this reason, that we have uh, just done a lot of really terrible things. There's been a lot of fighting on the Internet. There's a history of people with autism being mistreated. People with autism are being mistreated today. 
there was a story I read where this kid was lit on fire because he had autism. What? Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it, you are the perfect target for a bully if you have autism. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I think is that if you had an, if you had Down syndrome, for instance, you, for lack of a better phrase, you look like you have a disability. Right. If you have autism, Frank, most people don't, there's nothing discernible visually that makes them look different, but they act different. Mm. And when you act different, you're a target for a bully. Plus, if you can't defend yourself, that makes you even a greater target for a bully. And so, and you know, humans, we don't like things we don't understand. And so we try to destroy it. And sometimes that leads to really horrible things happening to people with autism. You know, it's, it's, it's terrible. Okay. So one hypothesis about why, uh, do you know any hypotheses about how to theorize autism about how it gets generated or, you know why? Uh, yeah, it's it. because of vaccines. <laughs> yeah, God. No, um, I don't really know much about why autism happens. Well, there's a lot of research and a lot of contradictory ideas, and I'm going to get into that in a second. But let's first let's take a break. What do you say? Okay. Okay, we're back. So, getting to the hypotheses regarding you know the theory about how to understand autism. One of the one of the main theories is that people with and I should also say that the uh, a lot of people think that what we call autism spectrum disorders are actually several different disorders that we're just sort of lumping together mm. later on we might actually find that we're talking about different kinds of things like it, it'd be like if in early mental health we were perhaps looking at bipolar and depression and we were calling both of those one label Whereas now we call depression is different from bipolar. They're, mm, you know, they're, they, right. they have different uh, presentations and different treatments and stuff. And so with autism, we might be looking at something similar. But anyway, uh, the idea in this theory is that people with autism can't ha habituate uh, in the way that what we call neurotypicals, like you and I are. So that's an actual term because they used it in the movie. Neurotypicals, NTs. Yeah. yeah, NTs. <laughs> that sounded like a Scientology thing. <laughs> no, neurotypicals, uh, because you don't want to say normal people, and you don't want to say non-autistic people. You just call them neurotypicals. That, that sounds worse to me. What? Oh, I'm neurotypical, so please. <laughs> <laughs> There's also another term. I th it's allistic, I think it is. Allistic instead of autistic. I think it's allistic. Anyway, but a lot of people use neurotypical because it makes sense, you know. So when neurotypicals experience, uh, like you and me, we, when we experience a stimulus, we eventually habituate to it. Like you have headphones on your, on your head right now, right? Yeah. Well, when you first put the headphones on your head, particularly the first time in your life you put headphones on your head, ah! you couldn't stop thinking about the fact that you had headphones on your head. Yeah. Right? You're just like, there's these, there's these things on my head. They're oppressive. Right. Well, for neurotypicals, you, your brain habituates your brain eventually learns to become blind to it. You know, you can become nose blind to something. Like, I have cats, and I was recently accused of being nose blind of the cat litter box. <laughs> Someone was like, oh, I could smell your litter box. Yeah. And I was like, I don't smell it at all. And they're like, oh, well, you're nose blind. Because your brain learns to not pay attention to a repetitive stimulus, because if you do... You, you would never be able to live your life because yeah. you'd be constantly looking at all the things in, around you. You need to like be, habituate to the light 
the seat, the shoes on your feet, the shirt you're wearing. Uh, the, the light, the, the, the reflections, the sounds in the background. The computer, yeah. the micro... You know, you need to habituate so you can concentrate on just one thing, which is you and I talking right now, right? right. You need to, there's so many different things happening right now. You need to concentrate on, on talking. Well, neurotypicals have a natural ability to habituate to uh, the things around them, whereas people with autism have a harder time with that. How does Asperger's fit into this picture? So I won't go into the full history of Asperger's, who was an actual person, Asperger, and autism and everything, but we used to have the term Asperger's for a mild case of autism, whereas right now we have subsumed that into autism spectrum disorders, which okay. is, you know, on the, on the lighter side, we would call them you know, lighter side of autism spectrum, whereas before we would call them Asperger's. So Asperger's is not a term we use anymore. I see. Because so, so in, in my experience uh, with people that had been labeled by me or others as potentially being Asperger's, um, it, was usually, it usually had to do more with their emotional receptivity, mm-hmm. like their emotional picking up on emotions and, and emoting. So like you'd be talking to this person and they would be pretty flat emotionally. And right. you would say something like, uh, my mom died. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Right. I'll get more into that in a second. That's all autism. It's all in the same thing. And there's different presentations. Autism, it doesn't always look the same. There's a lot of different variations mm-hmm. in the symptoms. But because... It depends on the personality of the person with autism. You know, it'd be like saying everyone with depression is exactly the same, right? You right. wouldn't say that. It's like, you know, there's a lot of variation in depression. Well, it's the same with people with autism because they all have their individual personalities. It doesn't, it, autism doesn't make you have the same personality right. and the same severity of autism. Anyway, so, um, so common things that we see as a result of this inability to habituate is they become overly sensitive to loud sounds or to things on their shirts, like tags on their shirt. They'll become, they need their clothes to be a very particular way or uh, things, food that they don't recognize that they're not comfortable with will be extremely distressful. You know, like imagine the strangest thing you've ever eaten, right? You know, like, like a, like a like a, a potato st- chip, <laughs> yeah. Like a like let's say a fish that's still alive or ah! something. You know what I mean? Like chilled that, monkey brains, right? There's a lot of uh, different. You notice it, right? Yeah. Like if if I put a, a live fish, in, a little goldfish in your mouth right now, oh, you'd, you there'd be a lot of like little sensations that you're not used to. You know, <laughs> wriggling and the scales and the, that's horrible. You know, you, you'd be you'd be you couldn't now. If you had a thousand, you know, living goldfish that you ate, like by the thousand at first, you, you, yeah. wouldn't, you wouldn't think anything of it. Well, for people with autism, when they put something, anything, uh, you know, just normal kinds of foods in, in their mouth, that's, that's what it feels like to them. Oh. And not that they're delusional, but because their brain, again, has not habituated. Eating is a very highly stimulating, you know, event. Right. And if your brain has not habituated to those to those stimuli, then it's going to be overload. And so you when you eat, you need things to be extremely bland or very routine. Like I eat 
like with Rain Man, he ate fish sticks. Oh, right. You know, he always eats the exact same thing because you, you know it's going to happen. It doesn't freak you out, and it's not overload to the senses, you know? He won, a, he won an Oscar for that, didn't he? I think so. Yeah. Uh, also, lack of coordination. When this is all, this is something that's a little harder to understand is that when you habituate to moving, you know, like uh, reaching like your computer with your mouse and stuff, right? Like you habituate to the feeling of the mouse, you habituate to the feeling of the keyboard, and these these feelings become habitual. You know, you you habituate to them, and you also ha- have habits in terms of how you do things. Because if you had to think about every single movement, you wouldn't be able to do it. You know, if I said, reach for the mouse in exactly this way, touch the move the you know, it, because the brain needs to habituate to, to, uh, to things in order to move forward and develop sort of further skills with, with people with autism, because they, they don't habituate as well it's harder for them to do a lot of movement things. And so you'll see people with autism sometimes walk a little different. Or be exceedingly good at Kung Fu. Right. At so, world-class level. Right. So that, <laughs> now, we should say that the, the degree to which Ben Affleck's character had autism was definitely on the lighter side. From as a child, he could talk. A lot of people with autism can't talk, like mm-hmm. that one, that one the woman. gal. Yeah, a lot of people they can't talk. They have a, they have a they can't function in the world. I mean, he lived by himself. Yeah, a lot of people with autism could never live by themselves. They couldn't pay the bills. This is one of the things that I just people just do not understand. I think I've talked about this before. Because Rain Man, because the accountant because these other depictions of, of people with autism, although not necessarily inaccurate, it makes it makes autism look like this mild condition. That, well, Rain Man wasn't, though, to be fair. Yeah. He, he couldn't take care of himself. You true. Know, he was, you know. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's true. Yeah. Uh, but people need to understand that there's a, you know, sizable amount of people with autism that can't function by themselves and need a tremendous amount of help. And frankly, they don't have any savant abilities. You know, yeah. they're not, they don't have any special abilities with memory or anything like that. I, I think that was the, the issue with Rain Man is that, you know, if you watch that movie, which I did at the time, then you start assuming, I see, I get what an autistic person is. They're this genius person with really right. weird personality quirks right. who can't take care of themselves. That's an autistic person. Right. After Rain Man, <laughs> people whenever they met someone with autism, they would immediately ask, oh, what special power do you have? Yeah, drop the things on the floor. <laughs> yeah, and, and people would be like, no, that's kind of a rare thing yeah. among us. So, so, right, so lack of coordination uh, with, with finer, finer movements. Like, for instance, speaking. When we talk, the amount of fine motor... You don't, we, we don't normally think about it that way. Right. But talking... The the movements of your tongue, your lips, your vocal cords, your diaphragm, your lungs, your you have muscles on the sides of your rib cage, all of these tiny little movements happening, you know, to make you speak extremely articulately. Yeah. These things require a lot of fine motor skills, and this habituation uh, deficit 
they believe might lead to uh, some people having either difficulty speaking or not being able to speak at all. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's why in that example, the, in the movie, the, the gal couldn't even really speak. Right. She couldn't. But she could type a sentence on a keyboard and then the right. computer would talk for her. Another uh, thing that this, this lack of habituation might affect is people will prefer very simple tasks and routines because they have difficulty processing complex situations like social situations. So they turn to very simple things like TV and video games and drawing because these activities don't demand the brain that, that much. You know, they're, they're sort of not very taxing on the brain. Whereas when you're in a, in a room with a bunch of people, your brain has to process like all these different people and their eye movements and their, the way they're talking and what are they saying and what's going on in each one of their head. That's just overwhelming to someone with autism. The idea is, is that it's not that they don't have the ability to do it. It's just so overwhelming to them that it it hurts, you know. Yeah. So, um, so I wonder what what an autistic person would do watching the debates. <laughs> God. Um, another way of of looking at it is that when young neurotypical children, like when you and I were children, Berto, we're we're all very fascinated with little things at first like the way we move and the way it feels. You know, when you see little kids, they yeah. they love to move, you know? Yep. <laughs> and they love to like jump off things and like and they just wiggle, you know? Yep. Because they want to the the idea is it's because they've learned a new skill about how to wiggle and they it just feels so good to them. It's like, <laughs> "Ooh, look, I can wiggle or I can hit this drum with with my with my hand." And so the world and senses, you know, uh, taste and smell and seeing things, it's all just overwhelming to the young child. And they're extremely uh, focused on new stimuli, you know, new things come into their life and they're just like, they can't get over it. You know, there's like, oh my God, there's that new thing, you know, and everything is just like (gasps) this like mind blowing experience because they've never experienced that before. And the reason why it's mind blowing is because they haven't habituated to the world. Right. So if you, and little children therefore are not very interested in, other people and their emotional states or <laughs> how they are feeling. They're, they're focused mainly on themselves and their, the stimulus, the stimulants, the stimuli that are happening at right. them. Right. And right. Like right up at them. Yeah. Right. And their and their own self and their yeah. movements and their bodies, you know? And so they're just very <laughs> fascinated with those things. And then, but eventually neurotypicals will habituate to those things and they become, Grumpy old men. <laughs> They're just not interesting anymore. So it's like, it's like, yeah, I know I can wiggle. It's no big deal. Yes, I know other humans exist. Yes, I know there are things called computers in the world. You know, you just get, you just get bored of things. Right. And then you start, as a growing child, you start actually turning to other humans and attending and really paying attention. Like, oh, I wonder what mom... I wonder what her internal state is. Oh, okay. I wonder, how can I please her? Sometimes she seems upset. Maybe I could make her not upset, you know. How do I make her happy? How do I make my siblings happy? How do I make my classmates happy, you know? Uh, how do I pay attention? How do I interact with them in a way that 
we can play a game together that makes me feel good. You know, all those kinds of thoughts, you graduate to that thought. Well, if you never habituate to the stimuli of the world, even to your own body, you are, you never graduate to that next step of, of paying attention to other humans. Again, it's not that people with autism can't pay attention. It's that this, the amount of data that's coming into their brain that they're noticing and they're not habituating to any of it overwhelms them to the point where they don't have brain power left over to, to pay attention to other people. Mm. So for instance, when you were talking about, Oh, my mom died and the person's like, Oh, I did, and you interpret that as them being unemotional. Mm-hmm. But in fact, one way of looking at it is that it, because their brain is processing the seat they're sitting on. And the, I mean, just imagine yourself, like say you're on a roller coaster and you're on cocaine and someone is jabbing a fork in your knee and, <laughs> And, Which has happened, by the way. And you have like a very important presentation to do in 10 minutes. And then the person sitting a couple rows behind you on the roller coaster says, my mom died. It might actually not be paid attention to at that point, right? That's probably right. <laughs> because there's so many other things your brain is attending to. 10 minutes later, once you're off the roller coaster, you might be like, oh, that person said that their mom died. You might go back to that person. But in that moment... It's going to be hard. Well, the idea, the theory goes with people with autism, that's what it's like for them all the time. It, Interesting. It, and it never stops. So, yeah. Uh, okay. Now, again, uh, autistic experts out there, feel free to email me and tell me if I'm... Actually, I'm curious uh, if, I'm, <laughs> if I'm right or wrong about any of this. So, autistic savant is the extraordinary skills version of autism. And it's actually a pretty rare condition. They used to call them idiot savants. They used to call them idiot savants, yeah. Not because they were making fun of them, but the word idiot became an insult. Sort of like retarded used to be totally an innocuous word. Right. And because people would use it as an insult, eventually retarded became a horrible word, and we no longer use that word anymore. So... um, it's, it's, it's very rare to have these savant skills. And at the level that they show in the movies, it's even rarer. You right. know what I mean? It's one thing to, say, have a, you know excellent memory about particular things that happen. You know, so, some people have savant skills regarding memory. Like if you ask them, you know, what, did, what were you doing on t- 2005 on May 2nd? And they'd be like, uh, I was doing this or that, right? Yeah. It's a, and, and they might actually even be wrong at times. See, that's the other thing is like the way that savants are depicted in movies, they're always perfect. They never make a mistake. That's right. And actually, this is what I wished would have happened when Anna Kendrick asked him to multiply, you know, 5,600,000, blah, 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 times 93. I wished that because actually my cousin Brian, you know, my cousin Brian. Yeah. He actually can do math like that. He's, okay. he's like, he's like, he has this weird skill where he can that he's worked on, I think, in his life, that he can multiply long strings of numbers together very fast. But the thing about my cousin Brian is that every fifth time he's wrong. Okay. Or every fifth time he's like, oh, no, 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 that's not right. He'll say it, and, it'll be, and he'll think about it a little longer. Oh, no, no, sorry. And then he'll say the right it's number. it's every fifth time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I wish that Ben Affleck's character would have said confidently this, and then like a couple seconds later, as she was talking about something else, he'd be like, oh, no, I'm sorry. It's actually... Right. Because 
they're often depicted like they're perfect, like like right. they have a computer brain, but that's not possible. And you know, they they came close to doing what you wanted because if you remember, he said he started giving the answer, and he 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 took a pause before the last two digits. And then said the last two. Right. Pages. I wish he. I wish yeah. he would have paused, said the numbers, and then and then went. Oh no, I'm sorry, fifty three yeah. or something. You know, that would have been cool. <laughs> yeah, you know, because you'd still be impressed by that. Yeah, right? of course. That's then that's the other thing. Getting back to the action, like you could have toned down his invincibility and still made him imp- impressive and, sure. and awesome. I mean, sure. but why make him so incredibly invincible that I don't even think he's a real person anymore? You know, he's like this robot from outer space that can do anything physically and and mentally to some extent and it's like i don't know maybe warner was like you cannot make batman look bad (laughs) yeah so there's a lot of research looking into why savant uh maybe savantism is if that's a word exists for some people with autism but they don't really know they think that maybe because so much of their brain is not being used for social things, which require a ton of brain power mm-hmm. to pay attention to other people and like think about how am I going to manage my image and you know how do I make people like me because the brain isn't being utilized for all those very complex skills. They have a lot of brain power left over for right. something else. And it's not as if their brain has some special thing. It's that if any one of us just decided to completely ignore 99% of our life and focus our attention on one particular skill, like, yeah. like memory or math or you know something like that, we too could potentially develop a savant skill like that. Right. So it's not – that's the theory. It's not that they were born math geniuses. It's that they're born with the same aptitudes of any of us, but but because they're just not paying attention to the normal things, they can they can choose to pay attention to one thing and develop that skill at an early age, and and it get it just gets naturally better and better over time, mm-hmm. you know. So interesting, yeah. And and because otherwise, what would be the explanation? Like they have supercomputers in their head. You know, no, what I, mean? I mean, I guess it might, it could be related to uh, just the bell curve, like just how they are. There are what do you call them, normals and T's, neurotypicals, neurotypicals that are, uh, you know, genius level intellect, or they discover, you know, relativity and shit like that. Basically, there could be a bell curve for autistic folks as well, and some of them happen to have more brain power. But like you said, that's a brain power that's focused on a very, very narrow band of stuff. You know. Yeah, so let's take a break, and when we get back, we'll conclude the episode. What do you say? Okay. All right, we're back. Again, if you want to go to Loot Crate and use the promo code PSYCHOLOGY, we get a little bit of kickback. That'd be awesome. Also, if you could review us on iTunes, that'd be nice. Uh, not a lot of people, even though we have thousands of people listening to us, very few people have actually, well, last time I checked anyway, reviewed us on iTunes. Interesting. Anyway, so... Um, yeah, uh, but again, we don't really know why savant, why why some people with autism develop savant skills. It's you know a bit of a mystery because the brain is a bit of a mystery. Okay, so going into some of the autism depicted in the movie, again, I thought it wasn't too bad. There were some times where I thought they could have actually gone further down the road a little bit because Ben Affleck's character 
again, had a pretty minor version of, of autism. And there were times when I, it seemed as though he had, his symptoms were pretty minor, Yeah, which, which is fine, but it, 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 anyway, so they, they had that thing where when the stress got really high, he had to start reciting the, uh, uh, Solomon Grundy, Solomon Grundy. Yeah. Right. As a soothing thing. Yeah. Which anyone could do, you know, you just suit. That's not a necessarily an autistic thing. Um, many people online, uh, that have autism themselves or that have autistic family members were saying that the autism depicted in the movie, Oh, that's the alarm. We got to wait. Did I, didn't I already take a break? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, many that, that, uh, the depiction autism that it depicted in the movie was actually pretty accurate. I, I, I don't know that if, you know, if you know people who have autism, well, do you know any people that have autism, mild autism, Berto? Yeah. Would you think this was similar in terms of the social awkwardness and the 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 yeah. demeanor socially? Yeah, that aspect seemed seemed fairly legit. Okay. And you know, the people I know do not have that I know of do not have superpowers, but right. <laughs> yeah. Um I think that they tried to humanize his autism a little bit in some ways. I think they tried, I don't know if this was a goal, but I think after watching it, you get a sense of, oh, people with autism are, I can relate to them. Yeah, you know, they they're, can, they're psycho killers as well. <laughs> yeah. You can kind of relate to Ben Affleck, aside from the killing and all yeah. that, you can kind of relate to his shyness, you can kind of yeah. relate to how he is anxious socially, how he wants to do good at his job, how he gets excited about his math stuff, you know, that was the one time where he really gets kind of excited. He's like, you got (laughs) to see this, you know, and, and you're like, Oh, I, I can relate, you know, this is because sometimes autism is depicted in such a way that it, it makes people look like you were thinking like they have no emotion or right. Or they're so abnormal that it's like, you can't relate to them, but you know, they're not, they're not really that different. Um, Mm. they just have some differences. Um, they showed the meltdowns uh, as a child. That was, I think, pretty accurate. They showed the home for the autistic kids fairly well, right? right. I thought that was well done. It seemed like a Professor Xavier or something. Right. <laughs> so, so that was actually one of the criticisms that other people were saying was they made it look like, yeah, they made it look like the X-Men school for mutant children in that, <laughs> They, there's all these kids with these special powers walking around. Yeah, I was expecting to see someone levitating. Yeah, and that's pretty dumb. Um, I thought that they showed his awkwardness pretty well and how he just didn't really know how to how to act. They showed his compulsion fairly well in terms of his, him needing things to be very orderly. Um, I really love the scene where he says, I, I have a hard time socializing even though I want to. Oh yeah, I thought that 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 I thought that should have been like the title of the film or the tagline. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, I have a hard I have a hard time socializing, even though I want to. You know, that's a key understanding is that just because you know sometimes autism is portrayed as if people with autism they don't care about other humans. Yeah, but again, the theory goes that there's just too many there's just too much stimuli mm-hmm. for them to even to to know you're in the room. 
That's a very important distinction. I'm not sure it would have done great as the marketing, <laughs> yeah. but but honestly, it is interesting because yeah, that is a misconception I carried into and through the movie was right. Basically, the depiction that some people will say is that they're psychopaths. Like they just they could care less about other human yeah. beings. They have zero empathy. They'll come across that way. Believe yeah. me. If you're in a room with someone that is particularly someone who has more severe autism, yeah. It will seem as though they could care less about you. Right. But the capacity for caring, the theory goes, they have. They have the capacity for compassion, for empathy, for love. But because they're overwhelmed with stimuli that are difficult to habituate to, they are distracted to the point where they can't even reach out into the social world. You know, that's fascinating. So you could imagine that unmet need going on inside of you and how depressed you would get and how, how hurt you would be, yeah. how abandoned you might feel on the inside, which can happen to people. Wow. Yeah. Um, I thought that it was bad in that, once again, we have another white male autistic person. Imagine in your mind right now a black woman who's autistic. Just imagine that in your head. Can you picture that? Mm, well, now that you say it, but not before, I, it would have certainly, let me put it a different way. If you had said picture an autistic person yeah. in my head, there's a great chance it would be a white male. Right. Now, statistics say that men are more likely to have autism than women are, but not- This is true? Yeah, but oh. but not to th- not enough, it's not like a 99 to 1% kind of a deal. I see. I think it's something like, you know- 60, you know, 40 or 70, 30 or something. And so, and and also, you know, black people in America have autism. Mm -hmm. Asians have autism. Uh, Even Canadians have autism. (laughs) You know, people of of all races and cultures, there's autism. I didn't catch the kids in the school. I didn't see the... If they were a mix or not, but yeah. they at least the, his his companion or his um, accomplice was a woman, right? Right. Yeah. 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 Um, another thing that bugged me about the movie was they had that typical thing where I could almost see the producers and the and the casting age person just saying like, okay, we got a white Ben Affleck. We got a white Anna Kendrick. We have a white J.K. Simmons on board. Mm-hmm. Where can we fit in black people? Oh, sure. Uh, how about the agent, the junior agent, who doesn't right. really have that many lines? Let's 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 make her, let's make that a woman. And let's make that a black person. Okay, check. Uh, how about we'll make the um, head of the treasury department? We'll make him black, and when he right. when, at the podium, he'll enter. That'll be a black guy. Yeah, and so. And then, that, and then the Hispanic guy will be the head of the Sinaloa cartel, which we will only see in f- grainy footage. Right. <laughs> you know? Do you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. It, it's. It, I think it's one of the reasons why a lot of judges in movies and TV happen to be black because it's sort of a secondary care. It's not a lead, oh. but it's like, well, you got to put a black person in there somewhere, and so well, how? Let's make the judge black. You know what I mean? Right. It's there's a lot of stuff like that that happens in movies. You know? That's messed up. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, Asians are completely left out of What it. is an Asian? Yeah. Um, also, uh, other criticisms, we've kind of mentioned this, is that it basically equates autism with being a superhero of some sort. And um, although being autistic doesn't mean that you're the opposite of a superhero, but it doesn't, right. it doesn't give you superpowers. Actually, uh, there was one Asian, wasn't there? Was there? He was one of the guys... Helping the agent 
uh, they had a, like a vi- oh, video yeah. call, and he's like, oh, I think we found something. I don't like know. Like the nerd guy at the yeah. computer. Yeah. He looked Asian, yeah. Yeah. And then the, well, and then the karate guy helping, you know. Right. Well, he was like... Uh, Indonesian. Indonesian, yeah. yeah. Um, and I loved that. I thought that scene was funny because if you looked at the set, they they were like in a backyard, like... In, uh-huh. and, and there was a fence, and then there was all these palm trees, but you couldn't see beyond the palm trees. <laughs> so I was just like, they're on ob- location. <laughs> yeah, they're obvious. You know, it's not likely that they flew the entire cast down to Indonesia. <laughs> they're obviously on the universal, you know, uh, lot, and they just put some palm trees around a fence. And- Filmed on location. Yeah. <laughs> also, it equates autism with being a killer, which is actually something that is perpetuated in American culture now. Like the Sandy Hook killer of that elementary school. Oh, right. He had autism. And so a lot of people started thinking, oh, people with autism, they're killers. You know, right. So a lot of people in the autistic community are pretty bothered by, mm. by that. Um, to be fair, his brother was also a killer. Also, the movie was extremely triggering for people uh, with autism spectrum. Because of all the flashing lights and all the loud noises, right? And, and all like that scene where they're trying, you know, in a movie where they're trying to uh, depathologize or try to get rid of some myths around autism, it's naturally going to attract a lot of uh, patrons mm-hmm. who have autism, and they're complaining, saying, "I had to, you know, close my eyes and cover my ears during those scenes because it was so." horrible for me to watch and right i can't believe that they would make a movie that would essentially have the one thing that annoys me about the world you know what i mean yeah so so that was another kind of interesting thing um so berto i want to close by saying why do because you turned to me at a certain point in this movie like while it was happening and i think you said something like i love this guy I mean, you loved Ben Affleck's character. You know what I mean? Every time he did something awesome, yeah. or every even and even when he was just doing his accounting stuff, yeah, and and he was extremely organized, and he was like, he had all his pens. <laughs> yeah, he had his pocket protector. He was very organized, very precise. That's right. Not a lot of uh, small talk. No small talk. He just he said what he wanted because uh, he didn't under, you know presumably understand social cues, so to speak. Why do you think you and so many other people, because when we were in the theater, there were people like really like, oh my God, that's so awesome. I mean, there are people yeah. verbally saying things. I was one of them. <laughs> yeah. And not just with the killing, but like with his yeah. social. Why do you think we like this sort of thing so much? Well, you know, yeah, you're right. Because with Jack Bauer, with a lot of movies where like the, the Bourne and stuff like that, I think it's for the same reason we watch professional sports. We want to see these like bigger than life, perfect representations of what a human can be. And when it came to this character, even though he was quote unquote flawed, because he was, it was like, yeah, but he overcame that in such great way that now he's like what we would all want to be. We would all want to be hyper organized and the best fighters and supremely good at doing our jobs. And, you know, right, right. Aspirational. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think it's a fantasy that we all like to identify with, which is, again, being super good at something. But I think this is is involving two other fantasies that you're not mentioning in particular, but you're sort of alluding to, which is the ability to kill people that you want to kill. 
I mean, he he could he you know his his father figure in prison gets killed and mm-hmm. by this mob, and he just decides he's going to kill all of them, and he does. Sure, yeah. And so that, a lot of movies touch upon that fantasy of power of just being able to eliminate people that annoy us at work yeah. and on the in traffic and stuff. It's like the ability to just walk up with a steak knife and just eliminate the entire mob. Right. So so that's one fantasy. And then then I guess. Um, taking the killing aside, uh, the show House, yeah, you know, or a Sherlock Holmes right. thing, it's these f- like flawless logic, right? And like, and they can be assholes, they can be flawed, right. and everything. But guess what? They they caught every little detail in that room, and they figured out the mystery in one exactly. second, and makes everyone else feels like an idiot, right? <laughs> it's it's both of those things. Yeah. Not only are you always right. Like, we always consider ourselves to be always right. Right. But we can rise above normal social norms and just treat everyone like shit because it's all justified. Yeah. Because there wasn't anything he did that was, quote unquote, wrong. You know what I mean? Like, when he says to the CFO, he's like, how long have you been working here? 15 years. I'm going to need to see everything back 15 years. And the CFO's like, fuck you. And it's like, well, you know, you kind of seem like an embezzler to us, so (laughs) fuck you. And so we all consider ourselves to be a little socially inept, uh, having put our foot in our mouth. We all consider ourselves to be right all the time. And this character... He's right all the time. Right. He never makes a mistake. He's extremely organized. Everything is precise. There's no wasted movement. There, there's no clutter <laughs> in his house. He doesn't, he doesn't have any bullshit. He has four suits. They all look the same. And there's a part of many of us, I don't think all of us, but there's a part of many of us that would just love that kind of life. Well, and, and there is this trope of the ends justifying the means. Yeah. And we tend to like that. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, take the show 24. With this guy tortures, he goes to the end of the world, nearly starts a nuclear war, whatever, right? But it's because he was trying to save his daughter. Yeah. And it's like, well, ends justify the means. Yeah. So it's, it's stuff like that in these movies where it's like, yeah, I know he's killing left and right, and I know he's defrauding, and I know he's doing this. But it's because of, you know, avenging his uh, father figure from jail. <laughs> it's the same with you and so many other people liking the movie American Psycho. It's almost the exact same yeah. itch that's being itched. Yeah. He gets to kill anyone he wants, and he's extremely precise, and there's no clutter. He has the perfect body and the perfect face and the perfect hair and the perfect life. And we get to look at that and go, that's the way I would like my life to be. I want to have the perfect life. I want to have the perfect house. But not American American Psycho is not the right example because that one is comical. You know, that's like a But a, a, after a you watch that movie in that opening scene where he has all the skincare products and he's in perfect health and his skin is perfect, you ran out and bought like this similar items. I definitely wanted... Yes, that part of that's true. That part was true. That I I was like, oh my gosh, you got to first wash with this, and then you got to use final protective moisturizing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's he worked true. out all the time. <laughs> you know, he, he had a flawless yeah. body. He had a flawless life. Like nothing. Every hair was in yeah. line. Women loved the, him. The, the difference in that case, you know, you're absolutely right. I, I was like that part of it. it was, but even in that movie, like even in that same scene, they already give away the fact that oh, but it's really all terrible in a facade and a thing like this yeah whereas in these movies that doesn't happen it's right. like no these guys are pretty badass all throughout <laughs> right yeah yeah all right well that does it for this very long episode of psychology in seattle in which we talked about the movie the accountant 
I just want to end by saying again, I'm not an expert on autism. And if you're, if you are an expert, let me know what I said, if it was accurate or inaccurate, I would love to know. Uh, please take care of yourself because you deserve it.